welcome all. It's good to see everyone. And uh, let's start with Fatiha with Aisha. What? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'een, Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem, Sirat Al-Lazina An'amta Alayhim, Khayri Al-Mahdubi Alayhim Wala-Tallin, Ameen. Okay, very good. So, so we'll look at uh, what's, what's happening uh, right now with uh, where I am in the editing process, getting it ready for Rowan, the, the complete editor. I'm working on the, the alighting places of the, of the Quran, which are the 114 alighting places of the Quran corresponding to the surahs, the enclosed areas of the Quran. And we'll be looking at the shortest surah and you'll see, and, and so there's so much that I've learned from this that I'm still working my way through all of this. So uh, I'll have to be watching, am I saying things the way I understand them correctly or and so I'll just have to keep watching that. But I have shown, we sent out uh, some of the very, the key texts already. And so the big key text, when we're looking at Quran and Ibn Arabi is, Ibn Arabi is speaking about the night and the, when the beloved comes to see you and you're the beloved's beloved. He said, I myself recite my book to them in their own languages. So that's our first uh, opening to see how Ibn Arabi is saying the Quran should be read. It should be read in your language with Allah being the one who is teaching you. And that when we're doing this, when we're in this relationship, we, have, we are reflecting everything I say to you back to me and I teach you. And then the other text, so in the same way, again, whatever shines radiantly in Tajalli to the sight of your insight and your heart, any of the sorts of incoming thoughts and images of matters which are turning to display themselves to you in your insides, they are all from God's side. So this is how we are going to jump into this entire question of what is the Quran? Uh, what, what are these alighting places? What is it going to be pointing us to? And the theme throughout the Futuhat is going to be the address is commensurate with the capacity of the audience, not with the capacity of the speaker. So these are all of the things that what there's, here's paradise, let's just put it in a little ball, here's paradise. Whether you see that or don't see that is not up to the ball of paradise or the thing that you're looking at. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So when you say this is something special, it's not because it's special, because everything is special, it's because you see it as special. So if you've uh, seen the latest movie by Pixar, The uh, Soul, perhaps the main line there is given by the, uh, this, the singer who says, who tells the story. 
there's the, the, the little fish comes up to the older fish and says, uh, where's the ocean? And the big fish says, you know, little brother, you're in the ocean. And he says, no, this is water. I want the ocean. And this is Ibn Arabi's lesson to us. You're in the ocean and you're the one who thinks it's not paradise. You're the one who thinks it's not divine. And so it's not on the side of the divine or on the side of paradise or on the side of beautiful things to say, hey, I'm beautiful. It's for us to say, I have the capacity to see what is divine. So that's so the same way with the Quran. The Quran is not there as a magical document which takes you somewhere. It depends on how you are receiving. So we'll look at that. Um, and here we have, so this is the shortest surah and our, our brother in Yemen is, is giving me so many numerical uh, mysteries about this, this one surah, which is the shortest one. And so as in Ibn Arabi's way he's speaking about the Quran and the surahs now, in this part of from book, uh, book 19 to book um, 27, I think, so 2,500 pages maybe, these are all of the, the surahs. He's going to them as enclosed areas. And so he's treating, he's seeing these surahs as maps places that you go there. And when you go to this alighting place, you discover different things. So what he's discovering, so for, you know, I've worked on this for, for many years now, but recently I've said, well, you know, let's take the shortest surah, which will be the shortest map and see if I can uh, understand what Ibn Arabi is saying about this shortest of maps. And so uh, if, if Omar is here right now, he could recite for us this surah and and i don't think he's here um uh, salah from sana are you are you here otherwise i'll have to yes yes i am here salah if you could if you could uh, read uh, in 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 the quranic arabic and then also perhaps the translation أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أعطيناك الكوثر فصل لربك وانحر إن شانئك هو الأبتر صدق الله العظيم Is, forgive me, uh, dear Sheikh, I can't see very well, so... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that. Thank you very much. Okay. The uh, one translation is, uh, indeed, we, we have granted you the kawthar, so pray, bless to your cherisher and sacrifice. Lo, verily, your insulter, he is the one with no progeny. So today we will look at two parts of this, of the shortest surah. And Ibn Arabi is calling this a lighting place, the lighting place of the pool. So on Marifa, of an alighting place of the Haud, the, the pool, and his secrets, part of the Muhammadi station. 
So we'll, be, we'll begin to look now at, at, at where Ibn Arabi is going to take us in this surah. And I'm seeing it as very much as a map. So he, go, he says, over here in this verse, you find this, and then you find that, and then you see this. So he's really directing us throughout this alighting place. So now what's what's I've learned from this, and it's come recently why all of this is happening a certain way, because I thought that Ibn Arabi would look at these 114 surahs, the chapters, I thought he would be looking at them in a kind of a deconstructing way, or as a he would give us a verse, and then he would give us the meanings of the words and then the other derived meanings of these words. And then he would give us uh, the commentaries and the understandings and the meaning. So that's how, and that's in a sense how he does in other parts of the Futuhat. But here he doesn't do that at all. In fact, if you're not sort of clued into understanding that he's going through the surahs one by one, starting with the last one, the 114th, and ending with the first one, Fatiha, because he's saying that the furthermost imam walks backpedals. And so that's another, that's a kind of a geometrical mystery that he gives us. So we're going backwards from 114, 113, 112, 111, 110, 110 and 108. So now we're in 108, it's the shortest one. And so I thought that what he would be doing is saying, okay, here's a verse in the Adena Kalakauthar, and he's going to explain that to us. But it doesn't work that way. And he doesn't actually quote or cite the verse. What he does is he jumps straight in and says, this alighting place is going to be labeled the pool, the, uh, which is a place where water collects. And then he's going to tell us that when you are in this alighting place and you are roaming about, you'll find certain mysteries. And so the, we're, we'll look at two of those. And what the way this is working then is not verse explanation, you know, grammatical uh, analysis, uh, semantic analysis. It's not anything like that. It's here's what you find. And so what he's saying without being able to say it because no one can say it, he's going to the source. He's going flush against the membrane where the light is coming, where all of this is coming all of the divine emanations are coming and he's at that membrane and he's receiving it directly. He says, when you see, you will see this and you will see that. And then after that direct flush against the membrane, then there's all the filters. And so now, the, now what he sees is what's filtered through language and culture and all of our individual uh, mixtures are the ways the ways we are and Ibn Arabi has said elsewhere that what we want to do what we what the people that are these seekers that you know his family his people what they want to do is go to where the Prophet was standing while he received the revelation so come to the place where Muhammad was standing was there and he received it here and then go to that place and you will also see it unfiltered in your own language, in the words that you 
as your individual self understand. And so this is how we're going from a light in a way, and then it gets filtered uh, through uh, the words, languages, it gets filtered through uh, documents, texts, work, works, you know, sacred books, all of that. Those are all filters. And Ibn Arabi is going to be suggesting to us that all of these filters are in a sense equal because they're all filtering what is the divine. So we'll hold on to that as we go. So he's now pushing us straight to the flush against the membrane and says, here's what you see if you come to this place. You'll see the, this verse in Quran, if they had stood with the Torah and the gospel and what was sent down to them from their Lord, they would have eaten from above them and from below them. And so this is, uh, in a sense, the context is the manna from heaven. So that manna kind of came from heaven. And then below your feet is usually understood as things that you do to work. You, like, so you receive your food either as manna from heaven or from your hard work and sweat and working the earth. So that's below your feet. And Ibn Arabi is saying, he's giving us a very different way of understanding this verse. He's saying everything is manna from heaven. Everything is coming down flush against this membrane. And you should receive either from there or from the feet of people who are there. So when he says uh, they, they could have eaten from beneath their feet, he doesn't mean their meaning we people down here using our feet, our work, to get things. He says, no, their feet refers to the people receiving manna from heaven, receiving from the divine directly. So there is divine instruction that some people get. And then the rest of us, we don't then try to make our own food with our feet. We go to their feet and get what they received as a gift. So they would have eaten from above them, and that is the end result of taqwa. So if Allah says, if you have taqwa, if you are aware of me, then I will teach you. So, so be aware of God, and God will teach you. So Ibn Arabi is telling us, we're not getting this knowledge from our feet working hard. We're getting it as a gift, as a teaching from the divine. And that everyone else who doesn't receive that, if they don't, if they can't find their way to receive that, they should eat from under their feet and receive from what they have received. So the other verse, if you are aware of God, he will make for you a criterion. And then he said, the Rahman taught humanity the Quran. So there is, so, so in sort of the, the typical Islamic understanding is there's, there is gifted knowledge and there's earned knowledge, merited knowledge. And Ibn Arabi says, there is no such thing as merited knowledge. There's only gifted knowledge. So gifted, and if you're not personally gifted with that knowledge, you eat from under the feet of the people who are gifted with that knowledge. And these are the people who, when they read the Quran, the Quran wakes up and stands up. So these are the people who make the book 
stand up from drowsy reclining. You see the interpretations of the experts lay him down sluggish after he had been standing up. So the experts, the ulama, the scholars, the religious experts, the grammatical experts, they put down the Quran with their activity after the Quran had been standing up and ready to speak to you. So then there comes someone God gives success to, and this one stands him up from his sluggish reclining. That is, you make him clear and transcendent from interpretation and free from being worked over using thinking, thinking. Okay. So we'll label this place where you see, where you are gifted with knowledge from the divine. We can label that Atenak. We gave you. We provided you. So Ibn Arabi is saying you can't take the word Atenak, we gave you from this surah, and derive from it meaning. What you do is you go to that place where it was revealed, and God Himself will reveal to you the meaning. And then when you wake up or want to speak to someone else, then you say, oh, that's the word atenak, we gave you. Solid. Okay, so let's keep going here. Um, so that's the gifted part. And then without, without any kind of division or sectioning, he's now putting in another vision of which is the particular or the individual. And so we've, so he's showing that this gift is coming and that the individual is, is absolutely vital, is, is absolutely completely vital. And so he's going to then show how that when you're at this site and you see the gift, you also at another site, you see the individual what it means to be an individual, this one person who is not like anyone else. This is why when Abu Bakr the truthful rose to this alighting place, now this alighting place means this place where on the map of Surat al-Kawthar, if you go here and Allah pushes you flush against the membrane, then you will receive directly. When Abu Bakr got there and asked for a crossing over, which is to see both sides of the river from beginning to end, of a dream he had, the Prophet ﷺ told him to cross it over. So this is, Ibn Arabi is helping us see that when even Abu Bakr, when Abu Bakr had a dream and wanted its meaning to be crossed over, to be told that this dream means this, the Prophet ﷺ told him to start you cross it over first because its meaning is completely embedded in who he is, who you are. And then when, the, when Abu Bakr does interpret, the prophet then says, some of it hit the mark and some of it missed. So you understood some of it and some of it you didn't understand correctly. But that even though that is the situation and even for someone like Abu Bakr, still he was the one who's, was to begin the interpretation of the dream. So now we're looking at 
back to that pond and the pool and the place where water pools, the place where water is collecting. Learn that with these knowings, when God bestows them on you, the creature, in other their, in their true image, and he teaches you what he means by them, so direct divine education, you stay with this core, with this image, in this image. So whatever it comes in, you don't say, oh, I need a better image for that. The image is what it is. And this is likened to the pool. You see, the water is perceived, and the motes, the little particulate matter floating about, are perceived, which are in the interior depth of the pool. So he's having us see a pool, and then the, the motes are especially strong down at the bottom. They kind of they, they filter down to the bottom. The water is confounded, clothed. So labas in Arabic is, means you're, you're, you're interclothed, which is another way of saying confused, compared to the spring. So a spring, just the water is just flowing up like this, and you don't see any motes. You don't see any particles. And you don't see any coloring, reddish or yellow or whatever color it may be. You see the water as red or yellow or another color. This is why Junaid said, when he was asked about the Marifah of the Arif, the one who recognizes everything everywhere, the color of the water is the color of its container. So when the water accepts this coloration, it starts to be in, an, in its entity, a composition of coloration and color. So you don't just see pure water, you see colored water. But in the matter as it really is, it is something else. You know the water, so we know water has no color. And you know that this color is that of the container, but they are not separated. That becomes the key. So in this pool, we are beginning to see that the vessel, the pool has motes in it, has particulate matter in it. And that that is telling us that it's part of the pool of the water to have motes. It, they go together. And so paradise is here. It's up to me to see that it is paradise. So we have Ilahi now. Access of the Sufi way, we we answer your Thank you.
So somehow Ibn Arabi is starting with the gift from the divine and then taking us also to the place where if we are in flush against this place, we will see the, the value of the individual and the value of the moats in the pool. And I'll just so quickly, if the old school uh, Christmas lights were in electrical in series, they were serial, they were in series. So you have parallel uh, electricity or connections, and then you have series. Now in a series of, if the, if the Christmas lights are all in series and one of them goes out, they all go out. And so that's a property of, of series in, in, in electricity. Uh, and the sort of the more, more uh, mystical way of saying all of that is to say that each individual soul is a necessary part of the entire string of Christmas lights. And who saves a soul? It is as if one saved the people entire, entirely. So the value of that one little light is that if that one goes out, then all of them go out. And this going out means that, that the existence of that one light. Now that one light in Ibn Arabi's cosmology is then is, is projected onto the world screen and onto the other world screen. So that particular light may be projected for one day and the child lives for one day or it may be projected for a hundred years and the person lives for a hundred years. But whatever the amount of time that light is projected onto the earthly plane or projection screen, the, its soul, its entity, once it's created and comes into existence, never goes out of creation, never goes out of existence. And that is its key that it is absolutely required whether it, it projects for one day in this world or a hundred years in this world. And so that Christmas string of lights is a one string of light. It's in series. So, oh, you people, become aware of your cherisher, the one who created all of you from a single soul. And from her, he created her mate and dispersed from the two many men and women. And each one of them is a bulb in this Christmas light in series, and therefore not one of them can be taken out and removed. They all are needed, all are required. And when I was a kid, I used to play with long numbers and I would just take big sheets of paper and with my pencil, I would go do long division until I would get you know hundreds of digits. I just loved huge, huge numbers. Uh, and so one of the things that, that as a kid I was thinking about is that with all these huge numbers, you know, how can anyone say, oh, I'm important or I'm necessary if I'm just this one number? And I, and I thought, you know, so that's, that was in the back of my head as I did these long divisions. <laughs> but um, Ibn Arabi will tell us that each individual is completely necessary, not for what it's going to do, but for its being, just to be. And so the value is not what it does, but that it is. And so when we see that Allah is looking at the mirror, the image is you, that each image has to be there, has to exist 
if you take one out, you are lessening the amount of, of art that the divine is looking at. And so that cannot be taken out. And, so, and the value is not, oh, I, this person really gives a lot of light to the world. This person is a really nice person. Ibn Arabi says that if you're a friend of Ar-Rahman, then you've got to be careful because the Arab proverb is, watch out who you befriend because you will take on their custom or their religion. And Ibn Arabi says, if you want to be a friend of Ar-Rahman, here's what's going to happen. Ar-Rahman takes someone for, who has done nothing but horrible things and has been an idolater and never thanks God and is just a horrible person. Um, and he's done this. And what does Ar-Rahman do? Ar-Rahman extends this person's life on and on and on. So, so it's not, uh, it's quite clear that if the goal of this person was to have that person be a good person, and if he's not a good person, well, just cut his life short. Well, that's not the way Ar-Rahman works. So Ibn Arabi says, this, if you're going to be a friend of Ar-Rahman, you're going to have to be good to everyone, even if they don't acknowledge you or are nice to you or anything. So uh, this, that's the background for each entity is required, is necessary. And so Ibn Arabi's illustration of that with numbers is when you take a number, like 500 or 400 or 939 or some huge big number that I always like to play with. When the one is removed, the number disappears entirely. So if you have the number 593 and you take one out of it, it's no longer 593. It's gone. And so the one can never be removed. The one that is in every entity is necessary just the way the the Christmas lights in series, each one was necessary. And if one was removed, they all go out. So the one is necessary. And then the Aleph, if the Aleph is taken out, the word disappears entirely. So if the Ah sound, if there's any kind of sound that's coming from the chest through the mouth, if that's removed, then the word disappears completely. And so if this single entity, the, which is the well, the point, the source, is simple. That means not composite. It's simple. It doesn't have pieces. Then removal of any of its emanations removes it entirely in its entirety. And if you preserve any of these emanations, the entirety is preserved. And the same way, if the single soul breath that we read from Surah Al-Nisa up there, if the single soul breath is simple, one, and not composite, then the removal of any sound or emanation removes the entire word. So the souls are come from one soul, and then they make lots of other souls, but they're all connected because they are all one soul. And so any removal of any soul removes all the souls. So the words of God never cease and are never exhausted. So Allah speaks, looks at the mirror, you are the image, and you will never not be. And you can never be removed from the equation. The projections of your images, these images might last a day or last a hundred years in this world, but they're in, the, in all worlds, they are always there. 
So, so he puts these all together and then, um, so he's saying that each of these, so the first place that you go to, gift, educated by Allah. God is teaching you himself. And then the other place that you are flush against the membrane, you see why you are an individual, why you are a moat in the pool. And while the pool and the moat are necessary and that one doesn't want to clear away the moats. So when water is rushing really, really fast, when you're in the white waters and you're just flying and flushing through, you don't see any moats. And so you say, oh, this is, this is wonderful. And then when the water stills, when it comes into a collecting place, suddenly you can begin to see moats and then moats are beginning to settle on the deep interior of the well. The moats were there while the water was flying around and going in white water, but, and they're also there, but now visible when they're in the pool. And it's up to us to see, as in our, we are containers ourselves, to see that all containers are necessary containers and all of them are divine. So now we have this ilahi. Every breath is a path to Allah, each life an open door, beloved. Every breath is a path to Allah, each life an open door. Hi, hi, every soul says yes to the truth. Illallah, hu, yahoo. Every soul is praising the truth. Allah alone, beloved. The holy friends are past description, their ways are manifold, beloved. The holy friends are past description, their ways are manifold. Hi, hi, there, clear. John is divine unity. Illallah, hu, yahoo, there, green springtime, divine unity. Allah alone, be Thank you. So when we're at the at that source, at that at that place in the membrane, we receive directly, we're taught directly, we're given knowledge and meaning directly. And then we, in a sense, turn around and want to then convey this or speak about this to someone else. And then the filters start coming in. And that's fine, the filters just start coming in. If I want to explain something to you that I've just seen, I come up to you and I say, I've just seen the most magnificent thing. And you say, what was it? And I'll have to now find words that can convey what I saw to you. And if you are, if you are um, someone who, who already knows a lot about me, you'll know what language I'm speaking, what words I'm using, what images I'm using. And you will be able to communicate because you'll say, oh, when you say that, I hear that. And these are the same, we're looking at the same thing. And so each of these, uh, these emanations, these things coming out, are coming out to individual vessels, to each of us individually. And each one is different. Each one filters differently. And 
So every breath is a path to Allah. Now, when Ibn Arabi sees that, he says, he sees you know, that, I'll just put X, he just sees that. And then he turns around and writes down in Arabic, every breath is a path to Allah. He just writes that down in the Futuhat and that's in Arabic, in his handwriting. Whether it's Yunus Emre or someone sees the same thing he saw and writes the same thing or sings the same thing in an Allahi. Every breath is a path to Allah. So it's not, so, and this is what Ibn Arabi keeps telling us that when you get transmission from these kinds of people, that they're not working from the written document and they're not even written from what the person said. They go back to the same source that you saw it in and they filter it and read it in their own way and then express it. So we're seeing that instead of starting from words and filters and languages and then deriving things and studying things and parsing, Ibn Arabi is telling us, go directly to the source. And then you'll see that when I said this, and when Yunus Emre sang that, and someone else said this, and someone else said that, we're all saying the same thing because we're all looking at the same place. And all of these are our filters in our different languages, and could be different religions, different cultures, different times. So this is the pool with the, with the moats. And there's a secret conversation that goes to you and only to you. So we started out with Ibn Arabi told us about Abu Bakr, was told you interpret first and then the Prophet he'll interpret later. But you start because it's an individual first. So this secret conversation is only from who to you through you not through another. Based on you, you recognize who, not based on another. So absolutely direct to you who are an individual. Indeed, you are the closest veil and you are the curtain draped down before who? So that's that filter. So you're the first filter. And that filter then has more filters, language filters, experience filters, um, cultural filters, all these filters that are coming afterwards. Because you are a curtain and a veil, because you are a filtering device, you can distinguish who from your boundary. So as a filter, I can say, here is who filtered in me uniquely. And so that's the boundary, who is there and who is filtered here as there are in the pool, which is in the other abode. So that means the kalthar in the garden, many cups. So there'll be, there'll be a fountain with many cups to drink from. As many as the numbers of drinkers of the pool, and as the water in the vessel is in the image of the vessel in shape and color, we know for sure that knowledge of God is as many as the measure of your perspective and your preparation and what you are involved with in yourself. So all of this knowledge, when it comes to knowledge and filtered, everyone is different and each knowledge is different and each one will depend upon your filter, your experiences. And so you are absolutely necessary for this because you are the only one who carries this knowledge. 
you are the only one who carries that particular knowledge. And so you're absolutely necessary and cannot be taken away or their knowledge will be, the uh, knowledge will be lessened, made deficient, will vanish. And so therefore your knowledge, whatever it is, each time you have knowledge and each time you are given this, your experience and your particulate matter is absolutely essential. No two will ever come together in a single knowing concerning God from any facet because no two will ever come together in a single personality. Then no two people are the same. So we've looked at that with gender, with biological sex, body morphology, all of these things. No two people are alike. There is no normal curve. There is no normal curve. There is only individuals, each one different. And no two will be sitting in the same place. No two will have the same biological sex, gender, culture, language. No two will be in the same place. It is just not correct. <laughs> in fact, inescapably, in two, there will be something that occasions differentiation in order to affirm the entity of each one distinctly. If it were not that way, it would not be correct to call them two. So not one recognizes the true except oneself. You recognize the true by yourself, not by another. And uh, yeah, at some point we could get into that, but it's so fascinating. I went back sort of to my own life because you know it's your own experience that is important. <laughs> I went back to my own life and I could see that this, that the hints of this mystery uh, were there throughout my life. So you have here on one side, Sri Andal, and she is the, the poet, the saint who wanted direct connection, union with the divine, and was not at all accepting of any union uh, with, with uh, creatures, lesser beings, people, men. So she said, I want to be in union with the divine only. And so she has this, that what we then say in Arabic, I would say is Batul, which is the one who is purely apart and is and so there's something about purely apart. And it doesn't necessarily mean virgin. It means purely apart, separated. And so that dedicated, separated, purely apart. And so uh, this, we see this in, in, in Fatima is called Betul. She's called this one who's separated apart. And Fatima also, so this pool, the pond that we're talking about is separated and purely apart with its motes, with its particulate matter. So that's how Ibn Arabi is telling us that this pond is divine. Don't look for water that has no particulate matter in it. Look for water that has particulate matter and know that the particulate matter, the motes are absolutely necessary. They give a quality, an individual and ever different quality, which is necessary for our devotion to this divine vessel. So the divine vessel of Sri Andal, of Virgin Mary, of Fatima, these divine vessels with their motes. And so Ibn Arabi is in a sense encouraging us to say that if you already adore something that's granular, you're doing the right thing. If you're only looking for things that are pure and virginal, 
then you're not looking for uh, granularity and texture. You're missing some, you're missing what is what is there because what is there is this granularity. And as I look at all the, uh, the rectangles of everyone's beautiful faces, this is a very granular group. There is no question that granularity is what we're all about. Each one is so very different. There's no one trying to be like anyone else. <laughs> and everyone is saying, here I am, take me as I am. <laughs> and so this gran granularity and texture is, that's what it's all about. Uh, so if we could have, uh, Klaus, if you could go ahead and. The tool. And God speaks the truth. And who is the guide to the way? The alighting places of the pool and his mysteries are step levels of knowing and his lights. He is part of the knowing which does not cease. His clear limpidity mixed in with mudding motes. The pool's location is stamped nature which is his modes and particles, catching up to the interior depth with his clots and clumps. So this is the affirmation and adoration of differences and grains and granularity and textures and individuality. Okay. So Baki. This nightingale, stranger to space and time, has flown here from the garden of USA. That abode is a feather friend, all divine faith, gazing, gazing. This mad song because the beautiful has longing growth deeper and deeper. There is singing in the constant, nothing to far. This passionate love, this old lover. Question the source of being, why the soul flies into the veils of creation. Though the light of the application can flash from half, as to her as only Allah, being the being, shining, shining, blow you shining. These dervishes now complete, nothing suffers this passionate love. Nothing suffers this passionate love. Thank you. So why does the soul fly into the veils of creation? Why can't we just stay in the membrane flush against that picture, flush against that image coming at us, flush against the divine? And why do we fly into these filters? 
Why do we fly into individuality and difference and filters and motes and particulate matter and granularity? And so the answer from our perspective might be difficult to find. From the divine perspective, it's easy to see. It's the flashing from Allah's heart to Allah's heart. It's wanting to see these, all these particulars, all of these individuals, all of these different experiences and wanting to see that means that each one is necessary. Each one is necessary. We have one more slide, which we'll work on next week, inshallah. I think we can probably, I thought I had so, you know, so few slides, it would be such a short one, but it just kept going. Uh, so there you go. Well, alhamdulillah, thank you very much. It's wonderful to see everyone. Um, the first question, Shuaib, is why just being has to be there? Still not clear. Maybe the is clear by now, but <laughs> this was earlier. Yeah. So, so the brave soul is. So when you when you are a brave soul and you're speaking directly to the divine, so you say, "Why? <laughs> why are we having? Why am I having to be in this body? Why can't I be in a better body? Why am I in this life when things could be better? Why do I love this person and that and that and nothing is 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 happening? Why does all of these things are are here? What's going on? And uh, why do we have languages? Why can't we all speak the same language and be able to communicate with each other better?" And the answer is each individual, each grain, each grain, all this granularity is what is part of the divine picture, the divine picture to see all of these things. So if you're, if you think about, we were just talking, my, my mother loves dramas and, uh, you know, putting on dramas and, and things like that as an English teacher. And one of the things that was coming clear is that when you have this a drama, when you have a play that you're giving, you, know, you never see the stage manager, except in our town, I guess. You never see the stage manager. Uh, so you say, well, we could maybe get rid of the stage manager. We never see him. <laughs> and then poof, everything disappears. You say, what about this person over here? Is that necessary to have this person? And you begin to realize that to have this play, whether someone's seen or not seen, whether they're the star actor or they're the backup singers, everyone is required to make this play happen. So that's in a way Ibn Arabi always goes back to the shadow play as this, the shadow play is the metaphor for our life. And that we, that the way to watch the shadow play with joy is to realize that, that there, that there is a reason why this play is taking place. It's teaching us and we can't be taught unless we see it, we go through it and we be, and we're able to, uh, interact with all of these beings, and all of these beings are absolutely necessary. None can be removed. I understand about the motes being individual, but you said something near the beginning about motes and paradise. Did you equate them? What is the relationship? So the 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 title that Ibn Arabi gives this this alighting place is the pool or the pond or collecting a collecting water collecting area and it's also kawthar in arabic is the multiplicity the abundance and it's also the pool that the fountain that is in the in paradise and what ibn arabi is 
is saying by not saying that this alighting place is called Kaufer, but it's called Haud, it's called Pool, another word. He's trying to help us see that there is that the pool that we see, the pool which are the vessels today, which we are, and the pool which is the fountain in the of abundance in the in the hereafter in the garden, that paradise is right here. This, this pool with its moats is what we want. And it's already been presented to us. And then if we want to use the, the movie Soul, it's this is the ocean. Don't just think it's just the water. It is the ocean. It is the pool. And the pool is that blessed vessel, which is which is betul, which doesn't mean virgin, meaning I don't have any moats in me. It means I have moats in me and it is purely dedicated to the divine. Should we go to the pool and take the gifted knowledge instead of learning from a teacher? Yeah, so, well, if the teacher got it from gift, then you're the person who is receiving from their feet. So he's saying that you receive the manna from heaven. So Allah teaches you directly. And if I'm someone who doesn't necessarily always get that direct knowledge, then I go to the person who is receiving that direct knowledge and I eat from their feet. I eat from below their feet and I take the knowledge that they have received as a gift. But in no case, if I'd be saying, do we take knowledge from our intellects or from, from our own efforts? And so, uh, so that's that you don't look at a verse from Quran or a verse from a sacred text or any poem or anything like that and start to derive meanings from it to kind of work it and parse it and analyze it. You know, that's not the way it goes. The way to receive is to receive from where it came from. And then when you're receiving from where it comes from, that Ibn Arabi is saying, that's why we, don't, we all speak the same language. Everything, we never disagree. He says, when you look at all the prophets and the messengers and the friends, they're all saying the same thing because they're all drawing from that one source. So it's not like, here's a, here's a, a sentence which gets parsed the same way by all the friends, the awliya. No, it's all of the awliya are going to the source and saying, in my language, if I sing this, this is how I say it. If I recite Quran, this is how I say it. If I tell you this in the Tirupavai with Sri Andal, this is how I say it. Um, there's some confusion as to the two different spellings and meanings of moat, M-O-A-T or M-O-T-E. Am I right in concluding that both are relevant? Oh, now that's very interesting because that, yeah, in English, well, boy, this, that's an Ibn Arabi statement right there because moat is the thing that, that, you know, that, okay, so yeah, a moat, the thing that you have to cross over with the bridge so that you have to cross over the granularity of life, which is the moat, which is, uh, you know, in a sense, protecting the treasure and that you cross it with the bridge. So yes, I think M-O-A-T uh, works beautifully there as well. I've been thinking M-O-T-E-S, particulate matter, but uh, you can do an Akbarian uh, interpretation and get that one also. <laughs> Very good. How do we find the practice that best helps us recognize the divine in each moat? Yeah, well, that, and that is the, the, that is the grace of the divine, that the divine brings you to your teacher, to your practice, to your place, to the path. And uh, we realize that 
uh, as being such a valuable thing. So Ibn Arabi has a whole chapter on before you find this, all of these things, you can do the following things. You can fast and pray and stay up at night and do all these different things to prepare yourself. Because the key is your preparation. And so, so I have to be prepared to see. So if, if I am, you know, if something is coming at me and it, it turns out to be, it's the most, it's the most wonderful thing in the whole world. And yet if I'm not prepared to see it, prepared or prepped to see it, then it goes unnoticed by me. So the so the preparation, so that's the focus then is on me. I don't have to say, oh God, make the world better so that it's nicer and more beautiful, in which case then I'll appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's that, oh, the world as it is is as it is. The place I work with is on myself. Um, Shuib, there are several requests to be on the mailing list for the PDFs. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, and I always wonder, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I have this uh, chat recorded, inshallah. So I'll go ahead and put your email there if you want any anything, the PDFs or anything like that. Email onto the chat and inshallah, I'll find it uh, when, I, when the document is saved. Good. The moats are like the imperfections as when, oops, <laughs> as when he says it is from the perfection of creation that there is imperfection in it. Yeah, so, so the perfection and imperfection. So Ibn Arabi says, at one point, he says, there is those, well, he said, even the greatest among us neglect this or forget this. So that's a nice, helpful way of telling us that when we complain that the world is not good enough or I'm not good enough, I'm lacking something, Ibn Arabi says, even the greatest ones among us in this family, they also make this mistake or they neglect this. The world was not created for me to say that it should be this way. So my saying perfect and imperfect is all based on, well, I want this to be this way. And if it's not, then it's imperfect. And Ibn Arabi says, but if you see that the world was created by the one who created it and created for his, her, its needs and desires and wants, uh, then the whole thing switches. So this is so the world that presents itself to me right now is the world that Allah wants to have. And so it is perfect. And then it's up to me then to say, well, if I don't like it, that's some part of me saying, I want to be God and I want it to be my way. And so submission is to say, the world, if it were my way, there'd be less jerks, there would be less stupid people, you know, all these kinds of things, but it would not be perfect. And so I have to submission is saying that, you know, thank God I'm not in charge of the world because I can't tell what the best world is. And so I hand this over to Allah and says, you know what's best. And so whatever's happening is what's best. And so then I train myself to receive the world as it is. And so. um, similar question to before. From your perspective, how does one prepare oneself to receive divine knowledge, go to the river and drink? Yeah, so this is, a, of course, a, a, a lifelong thing. But what's what has been striking me in the last month or two when I began to really dive into this part of the, the Futuhat from book 19 to 27, um, what's so clear is that I'm so used to and I and and then and a part Ibn Arabi does do this in the rest of the Futa. You take a word and you, you study it and you take its, you study the grammar 
and you study the, the lexicons and you say, this is you know, what's going on here. But Ibn Arabi is saying that actually, you know, hint, hint, that's not the way that you really want to do it. You want to go directly to the source. You want Allah to teach you directly. So how many times does he say and cite the verse, have, be aware of God and God will teach you. He, that's almost every fourth page has that verse. He's telling us, you know, uh, for me, I said it's a hint because I, I'm pretty dense, but he's really telling us clearly that the way you learn these things is that you open your heart, you empty it of all things open to what is divine. And so there's the emptying of the heart, which means that I remove, uh, I, I, I remove the things that won't help me see. And so that's in a sense, uh, kind of the, the lower self or the arrogance, the ego wanting to be boss or all of these things. I need to remove that kind of thing so that my heart is then open to be able to receive whatever's coming. And if I say, I only receive things that are in Arabic or are Islamic or are Hindu or are Buddhist or whatever, then that heart is not open. So this is, and, and that, so that's what's, a, what's the, the way, I, and I'm not even going to be able to say all of this because I'm still working with it. In a way it's saying, so it doesn't matter whether you say, I'm only going to look at yet something from this religion or this language or in this time or in this culture, it's still a closing. And it doesn't mean that that Hindu scripture or that Buddhist scripture or that, or that Islamic scripture isn't right or good or true. It just means that it is a filter. And as long as you're working in the filter instead of through the source, then you're, then you're not seeing what it is. And the moment you go to the source, you then come back and say, oh, this filter called the Quran, how beautiful, how helpful, but I can't go from there to the source. And that's the same way because it's a miraculous document, but it's not a magical document. So there are magical words. Uh, but there is no document which says, you know, kulja sam sam, you know, open up, open sesame. There's no open sesame text, not the Quran, not the you know, Tirupave, the Vedas, anything. There is no text or there is no poetry or there is no song which is open sesame, magically takes you there. And all of them, when you, but when you've gone there, you realize that all of them are equally able to be expressed as filters, but none of them take me from there to there. That's magical, our magical thinking. And so uh, our reverence and love of the Quran is not because it's magical and it's, it's a better book than other books or anything like that and takes me to where I'm supposed to go. No, they're all filters. Um, it's value and, it's, and the reverence we have for it is, is something different, it's, it's something else. It's not about that source. And that's why when we go asleep and Allah wakes us up and says, I will lead you through the Quran or any other of my books and tell you what I meant by this verse and that verse in your language. The image that comes through my mind is crushing the grapes to make wine. We drink the wine of love from our lineage. Sheikh Musafer Ashki, the wine pourer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, when you shake the shake old wine up, and all the silt comes up, you got to be careful. <laughs> but if you're, but it is. This is the process. Then that these filters are necessary. Uh, there, we don't just get something directly. It comes through this earth. It comes through grapes. It comes through you know standing on the grapes. It comes through all of these things. 
And that is, that is part of the beauty that is, and if we try to take that away, we remove the one from the number, it disappears. We remove the ah sound, the, the breath sound, the word disappears. How Batul, Mother Mary, and Fatima, Rahmatullah Alehi, are sharing Kalsar. Mother Mary and Fatima, Rahmatullah Alehi, are leaders of the women of paradise. Does that have something with it? Does that have to something with it? Yeah, uh, uh, because the, the when when speaking about you know in the Islamic tradition about the Kalsar, often is seen as as Fatima. And also on the bridge of life, when we are crossing the bridge to go to the garden, we're told, stand back, everyone. Fatima, the mother of Hassan Hussein, is going to cross. So she's, in a sense, the one who leads us through along this bridge uh, into paradise. And so she is then the imam. She is the leader. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, surrender and accepts, acceptance of the world as it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, and you know, we don't want there is there isn't a better world. There isn't a more paradisical world. It's all right here. Yeah, that's the beauty. Why not immersion rather than submission? Uh, in a sense, there. In a sense, there. For me, I see the images are very similar. When you dive into the ocean, you don't say, "Oh, I think I'm not going to dive anymore." I'll just whoop, flop back out. <laughs> you don't really flop back out. You are immersed. So, in a sense, that's the submission. It's it and see that's again with filters. When we're if I'm speaking to someone who I know has a filter which has been, uh, in a sense, damaged by hearing words like submission, which sound like, you know, like you know, bosses and men and father figures telling me don't do this and submit to that. If that person has that filter, then for me, I, I better find a better image to describe what I'm seeing. So this tells us the individuals, it's, it's, all, it's, a, it's what creates the beauty. It also creates the challenge as we communicate with each other. We need to find out what filters does the other person have? How can I convey what I'm speaking about? And, uh, and that's, and that's and people have a right to their filters. So if I'm speaking to uh, Muslims, I, they have a right to hear me give shahada, for instance, so that they know, okay, what's coming from him is from a fellow Muslim. And that's everyone has a right to, for their filters to be respected. Can you say a little more about individuality and acceptance of self and others? Mm -hmm. These days, there's a lot more emphasis on groups and the dangers of narcissism. Oh. oh. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I've been talking about with my son about individual and, and group think and things like that. And uh, he it turns out that he's very much like me, very strong individual and do, do not want to be sort of group think. And I, I stay away from I don't like or have never liked as a teenager onwards. You know, you go to a, a sports event, for instance, and everyone is sort of all having this group think. Um, and where's the individual in that? Uh, for, for what I can see is that actually this part of that, my part of that personality is very much what Ibn Arabi wants to see us have, that you are individual, you have an individual relationship to the divine. And uh, this isn't one, when you get caught up in things, you know, this, you can, you can get caught up in marching in a parade, patriotism, all of these kinds of things, you know, woo woo, that we're all, you know, this, you feel the power of the group. Um, but really, what's so very beautiful is when you see individuals who are in a group 
and it's and the individuals are always there. There's no effacing of who they are. So that that's that's kind of a long another another story, and 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 it's a beautiful place to go. Yeah. Can you say what to do about the scholars, the interpreters? Well, see that so there there is the way of of, of scholarship. Uh, so there, if you look at if you look at scientists and 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 scholars, there often you will find some kind of arrogance that I'm going to get this knowledge. I'm going to manhandle it and I'm going to understand what's happening there. And so they say, you know, don't bother me, God, don't bother me, anyone else. I'm going to use my intellect and my dictionaries or my formulas and I'm going to crack the code and I'm going to figure out what's going on. And that's, and that is certainly, uh, that, that's, um, that's what Ibn Arabi is, is always warning us against about that the intellect wants to constrain and wants to do it by itself and Ibn Arabi says the way that if you want to understand Quran or really any or another person or a speech is that you empty your heart and you open your heart then you understand so if I want to listen to someone my heart has to be open I can't come in there with arrogance and say this do that do that and that just doesn't work that way. So he's telling us that preparation is then absolutely essential. Um, how can one open the heart to receive divine knowledge? The perfect follow-up question. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that we need to be the heart from arrogance, fear, to be the boss. How do we do that and purify the heart? Yeah, so you know, these are the many, many tech techniques or 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 uh, or teachings of, of of sacred traditions and, and and mystical path and that is what does it take to open the heart and there and all of all of the since universal religions are always talking about telling us charity and that's if you just look at charity as one uh, to open up the heart and say this person's uh, that is not a zero-sum game if, if I give to this person I lose something no giving uh, is is an, an increase. It's seeing the other world that whatever I've given is actually uh, ex is growing in the other world. And so remember we said that Ibn Arabi tells us when we die, we see the bridge and the bridge we know immediately is the bridge of our design. We created this bridge. It's the bridge of our life. And so those people who are able to see that on the bridge in their life, they die before they die, they awake from the dream. When they, they see that what little thing they've done has a great, beautiful uh, result in the next world, they live a life in a sense, seeing both direct dimensions at the same time. So most people will see only this, you know, you, you have, you gave this, you, you were this much charitable, you were that generous, you said this nasty word, you said this good word. Uh, the person who can see the rest of it sees what the trueness of it will be in to see what is is there and they will and Ibn Arabi talks about journaling that is at the end of the day you go back and you look at this part of your life and you say what are the consequences of everything I've done and if it was a nasty word I gave how can I how can I change that into something beautiful how can I fix that uh, by covering it up by retribution restitution you know all of what can I do about that and if it was a good thing can I see how good that was and how beautiful it will be when I die and I see that and it will come to me like a beautiful form a beautiful human being will be coming towards me and I'll say that was my good deed 
So. Um, Kasim would like to ask a question. Mm -hmm. Please. Assalamualaikum, Dr. Eric. Um, it's a pleasure to be here and absolutely honored to attend this session because uh, I've been following you for the last couple of, uh, couple of months. I've been going through all your videos on YouTube. So thank you very much for sharing this knowledge with us. Um, I just have a question uh, related to uh, what we discussed today. Um, the, the names of God, they are infinite. Uh, there are 99 names in Quran, but you mentioned in, in some of the other talks that they're in, infinite. Mm -hmm. But the filters or the sources uh, that observe them, they are not infinite, but selected or accounted. Is this correct understanding? Or does the human have the capacity to reflect all of the names with all their, um, uh, you know, knowledge, whatever they carry within them? That's that's my question, please. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, Ibn Arabi often it's it, this is something I've had to learn as as I go. When he talks, when he says the names, he means the divine names, the most beautiful divine names, and he says that these divine names are all the the all manifesting or emanating or coming out in us, and because the Adam Eve, that lump of clay made out of earth, that's the one that when breathed into is going to be the Khalifa. And the Khalifa is the one from behind whom Allah acts. And so they, the specialness of this, of humanity, is that all of the names can be uh, manifest on this thing called humanity, on this earth clay clump called humanity. And that no, none of the other beings had that given to them. So, um, and so each one of these manifestations then is our entities and they are, they are therefore the words of God, the kalimat Allah. And all of these words of God, as we know, you and me, none of us will ever disappear or cease to be because the words of God never end. So all the pens are oceans and ink and all that kind of, all of that imagery, that means that we will never end and there will never be an end of these entities that you and I are. And we are therefore, and, and what makes what's special, uh, the cosmos was in existence for a long time until Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the human being came out. This last being was the being which is earth-based. And because it's earth-based, it automatically receives the imaging of the divine. And if something is fire-based or light-based, uh, it doesn't necessarily automatically receive the divine imaging. But we are, you know, the best Kodak film because we receive each image. And no matter who I am, good or bad, nice or stupid or whatever I am, I'm actually receiving all of these images that are coming at me. And so, and so humanity then is, is one because it's like the Christmas lights. Each one is there and each one is necessary and each one is in series. And therefore all of them are important. Uh, and necessary, and each of them are receiving divine names every moment, whether we realize it or not. Isn't it still like, um, um, still like that? Can you increase your speaker? Yeah. Atul, can you increase your speaker so we can hear you better? Yeah, a little bit louder, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, a little better. Okay, all right. So um, these, 
if we look at the majesty of God, Allah, right? The, even if you look at all the creations, whatever is being created, it is still quantified. So from that perspective, the observer is still within the quantified field, although it's able to, so it's, you know, the earth, for example, it's, it's a quantified object. The angels, they are quantified objects. So the, the, the reflection is still on a quantified object rather than being an infinite. Although the quantified object has the capacity to reflect, but at the end of the day, the object is still quantified. Is that, is that correct? Okay, okay. yeah. Well that, so in a sense, you're looking at the idea of the infinite and then the finite. And so, so the finite, so what, what the reason that each finite grain and granularity is important is because they are, uh, if you take one away, you're even one less from infinity. You're even one less from, you know, the big number you want to see. Um, so, so that's to that extent, but also, uh, we're, we need to see this entire humanity as this loop that we looked at, the loop that has the, the one the visible, invisible, visible, invisible, and the light of Muhammad that's invisible then becomes visible during the night of Muhammad وسلم, becomes invisible again, and then on the last day becomes visible. When you see that loop, that is a loop that has contained the infinite. And so this is one of the mystic a sort of mystical mathematics is that how can something that is seems finite contain something that seems infinite and we in a sense we kind of give up on the math of that and we just sing songs about it <laughs> you know this vessel contained the infinite you know how did how did mary virgin mary how did mary contain the word of god the spirit of god you know who knows we can only sing about that <laughs> but it but but that but it, Ibn Arabi is saying this is the culmination, means that all of that is there. Um, and so the infinite is not wishing for more numbers in order to be, to be complete. It is complete. And that's Kamal. And this Kamal is, means that is complete. And what is Kamal is the light of Muhammad, is Muhammad Sallallahu is all of humanity as a whole is complete. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that, but yeah, we'll go into that more. <laughs> what was the Tamil word on the screen with Batul? Oh yeah, so that oh that's uh, Andal, and uh, that's from South India, Tamra. Uh, you know, I, I studied a lot in, well, studied and other things in in uh, in, in South India in, in Madras uh, back in the day, and uh, and I studied Tirupave and I studied the Sribhasya, which was uh, studying it in Tamil and Sanskrit together, and it's called Manapravala, which is the is. The, you have a necklace with a pearl and a coral and a pearl and a coral and a pearl. And so you have one language and another language. And they use the same word in Kerala on the other coast for Arabic and Malayalam. So Malayalam and Arabic come, are, are, are seen this way. And then Ibn Arabi uses the word uh, Nizam, which also has the connotation of, of a pearl necklace that's separated by things. So the separation of grains, so what he's telling us is that the necklace is one, you need to have the separations in order to see the pearls. And so that it 
the imagery is incredibly vast, it's beautifully vast. We're given a magical key of Laila Ha'ilala, which takes us to the source and the present moment. Yeah, um, and so the way, one way to look is, is the difference between miraculous and magical. See, Ibn Arabi says there are magical words. And so there are sort of words that, and he doesn't talk too much about it because he has to hide them from people who would use black magic and things like that. And so words can be very powerful and can have all these effects. And he doesn't want to give his book to go into the hands of someone it doesn't belong to and sees black magic and things like that. Um, but for the seeker, uh, that all of these words are magical, miraculous words, and every path is a breath, and every breath is a path, and everyone is going to where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, will you kindly connect Kalthar with Tasneem? Yeah, I, I, I don't have anything on that right now. I'll have to, I want to look into that later, if okay. that's okay. When we look at the ocean, the water's green. When I look further, the nearest water, the color is blue. And when I touch the water, it is colorless. How can see the truth? How can we see the truth immediately? Well, that yeah, that's that's the all of this, all of these truths are are coming at us all the time. And if you're lucky enough to be in the Maldives where they have atolls, you can see so easily right at the shore, completely clear, and then a little bit out, you know, green because it's this deep. And then there's the reef, and then after the reef, it's you know dark blue. And then when you go out farther, it's black. It's and so, and so it helps you try to begin to see. So what is its color? And then you realize the vessel and how it is is what's telling this color and all of it is the ocean not you can't say oh that's that's something else it's all of the the ocean and Ibn Arabi has his experience in um in Granada of seeing the Sierra Nevada seeing the snow up there and he says when you're far away the mountain looks black and when you get closer you realize that there's white snow on top and so what is the color is it black is it white and so the answer is um yes <laughs> <laughs> pool is the alighting place where to receive gifts drinking from al kalthar does it mean to meditate on each of 114 suras thinking of the source with open heart yeah so uh so ibn arabi says that what uh Bayezid Bistami did was that he did not die before he had uh, manifested the entire Quran. And what that word means is that you go to the place where each verse was revealed. And so this is Ibn Arabi's telling us that there's one thing, uh, you don't go from the text to the truth, you go from truth to text. And so go to the place where the truth was revealed and see what text came after that, what verse came from that. And now you understand that verse as it came from the true, which is not, which is completely different from starting from the verse and trying to get to the true. So you start from the true and you go to the verse. And so, uh, and then uh, there, there are the hadith that the person who has done that has put the Quran in their, between their shoulder blades, uh, has, has ingested nabuat, has ingested prophecy. It's like the true dream because you, you have gone to the place where that direct communication takes place. And that's the place where in the third part of the night, 
when Allah comes down and says, the night is mine and I will teach you in your language. And so that's the specialness of the third part of the night. And so we look for uh, the divine who is approaching us and saying, let me tell you uh, what I meant by this verse and that verse in any of his books. <laughs> How can we stay in a state of preparation, empty ourselves when we're exposed to so much information in our daily life? Yeah, yeah, that's that. And this is this is even a, a, a stronger issue in the last, let's say, 20 years or 50 years or something like that. Because um, when you think about it, when, when if I see, you know, a, someone crash, you know, a car crash or someone bump into each other, or get hurt or something, then I have an immediate reaction to it. My whole body reacts to it. But if I see someone on the other part of the world having the same situation and there's nothing I can do about it. And so, and so I, my body wants to do something, but the person's on the other side of the world. So it has, we have really gotten into a situation where it's very difficult to, um, to have the quietness and stillness that we need. See the water when it's rushing still has the moats, but we don't see them until the water stills. And so we want to find that still place where the water pools. And when the water pools, then we see the moats and we see the beauty of the individual things. Um, and that's, that's not the same as being deluged with water and not being able to know what the heck I'm supposed to do. <laughs> so stillness. And Ibn Rabi talks about the three kinds of people. Some go out into the wilds to be alone. Some, uh, when the city is going this way, they move this way. Uh, or they put the curtains down in their house and they stay there to be alone with the divine. And, so, and that desire to be alone is to be still enough to be able to hear the divine. Well, there are lots of appreci appreciative comments here. Um, what a beautiful way to start the year. So grateful to you and all the beautiful friends gathering here, wherever we might be physically. Yep. Lovely, profound, thank you, just sing. And, uh, granular, and granular new year. <laughs> from what I know, Tasneem is the stream that flows from the oh, calendar. Okay, beautiful. Okay, let me follow up with that. Beautiful. Yes, yes. Okay, that's nice. That's nice. Good. So there's the streams that flow, and then we have the four rivers of paradise that come down here. And uh, Muzaffar Effendi used to say that these four rivers that flow from the from paradise are one flowing from here, one flowing from here, one flowing here, one flowing from here. When you cry like you know, in wild, you know, grief and love and all of these things, you just start flowing the river. And so when you are, uh, when you are crying that way, crying from love, then these four rivers from the other world are flowing through you right now. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful about Tasneem. Let me follow up on that. I'll study that and look for that. Good. 